Hey there, it's Winston Faircloth, and welcome back to episode 15 of the Begin Again podcast. Over the next two shows, I'm going to bring you some segments from a recent Level Yourself Up podcast hosted by my friend and client, John Budd. I'm honored that John asked me to share some Begin Again moments from my life on his show. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about mixing faith and business. I'm also going to share more about my career progression from a nonprofit leader to founder of a shared technology organization, and then how stepping out in faith on a call led me from business number two to becoming a tech executive, and finally progressing all the way up to today to the burn the boats moment of beginning business number three. I hope you enjoy this segment from John's show, Level Yourself Up. Well, Winston, I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast, just giving me an opportunity to interview you and talk to you, just share what you have on your heart. Thank you, John. I'm so excited to meet your audience and to share our story of perseverance and persistence and how that can really sustain us during the times that we feel discouraged. So thank you for having me. I just want to share, I've known Winston for a little over a year now and was actually started out as a friend, learned to know who he is as a person. He's a mentor of mine. Uh, I love, Winston, how you're integrating your faith in with your business. Why is that important to you? And I love how beautifully you do that. Well, thank you, John. For a big part of my career, I had a very public role because I was trying to make sure that I was inclusive as possible. Um, I didn't often share my faith in business together because I felt like that perhaps would push people away or that they would feel not included. And as I've gotten older and a little wiser, more experienced, I recognize that faith is who we are. It's, it's an integral part of, of who we are and how we show up. And, you know, my, my grandmother was a, was a woman who I recognized as a teenager that she had something special, something unique. Now she never really proselytized or, or, you know, gave me this typical evangelical type approach, but just how she lived was so attractive to me as a teenager and drew me closer to her. The closer I got to her, I understood her faith and understood what sustained her. And that really made an impression upon me. And then as I got older in my career, I just decided that, Hey, it's who I am. And if I am, if I'm living a life that really draws people in, then that could give an invitation for people to understand more. And you just do it gently and kindly like that. And so it's been very important to me to where appropriate to share and, and to just be who I am and who God made me to be. And, uh, you know, in some cases that will attract people in other cases, it will uh, somewhat push people away, but you know, we're not doing this to, I'm not doing it to convince people. I'm just trying to show people a, another way. Right. You know, to me that the thought I had when I talked to you, a lot of times you're, you asked me, does that bring you peace? You know, and I really appreciate that because you're willing to take a step back and really not push people, but really find the, where they are as yourself. And what's came out of that for me is the importance of becoming yourself, being who you really are and being transparent with people. Can maybe uh, elaborate on that and how that's been important in your life, especially maybe in this new transition 
Yeah. You know, so I've been, I've been on the receiving end of some very enthusiastic people about their faith and their uh, convictions in life. And, you know, sometimes that repels people because they're not prepared to, they haven't had that same experience or they feel like unless they have that kind of lightning bolt experience that somehow they're not uh, worthy of, of God's love and grace. And so for me, I like, I prefer that kind of gentle approach of just being who you are and being gentle and kind and, and those kinds of things. I just find that more attractive to me. It makes, it gives a little mystery and makes, it draws me in and makes me want to learn more about that person. And so I think it's important to meet people where they are. And some people have had a very positive experience in their faith journey and other people have not had a very positive experience initially in their faith journey. And I think in different seasons of life, we can experience, that's the beauty of the Bible. And one of the reasons I love reading it, because every time I come back to it, I'm a different person and I see something new every time that I go to scripture or to read something that is inspired by scripture. And so I'm changing, I'm growing, I'm doing things all the time. And so I think it's important for all of us to recognize that we are uniquely gifted in our, in our, the way we're made, but we're also really uniquely gifted in our life experiences. And that can be extremely valuable and useful and helpful to other people because the things that have been hard and difficult for us to go through, I find is the source material of our witness and and can be really beneficial both in business and in faith to help other people because the person who's held up there is perfect is hard to relate to <laughs> you know you know yeah. you know and 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 that's the fallacy i think with social media today is that we see everybody's front stage and we think oh my goodness look at them how well their life is and how together they've got it and everything else and and, you know, it's really the vulnerable times. It's the the backstage things that we've been through. And the more we are in fellowship with other people as friends, as colleagues, as mentors, it, in these more personal interactions, we realize that, hey, we're not alone. We are, we're all kind of messed up and fallen and, and frustrated and challenged. And the more that we're vulnerable and the more that we can create communities where people can share that, it just makes life so much richer because we don't have to have that facade. For me, in in stepping into this new season of my life, I'm I'm drawing from those begin again moments, those turning points in my life, and I've seen God's faithfulness before. And so, the longer we live and the more we experience those kinds of things, I think it actually builds our faith and builds our opportunity to do you know try new things and stretch ourselves because we've seen how faithful and how graceful God has been in the past when we've screwed things up and been prideful and, and, you know, gone and done things maybe, um, spontaneously or maybe irrationally. And so, yeah, he's always been faithful and always been there. And, you know, when we feel far from God, at least it's my experience that he never left. We're the ones that kind of went the other direction. So, so I have plenty, plenty, plenty of those stories in my life. And especially as I deal with, younger generations in our family and, and people I deal with, you know, they see the Winston who has been through all of that and is at a certain place in his life. They don't know all the twists and turns and, you know, highs and lows and all of that, that 
got me to this place of experience. And, and so if they're comparing themselves and they feel kind of mixed up in their twenties and, and struggling, you know, Hey, I'm in my fifties. I still have my struggles, but at least I have more perspective on, on things. And I also have seen God's faithfulness through those dark periods. It gives me more hope, more faith, more uh, optimism about the challenges I face in, in the today. Yeah. It really is about growing faith upon faith. And I was thinking as you was talking there that the importance of um, being willing to grow and share that with a younger generation. I think that we do miss that sometimes. We compare ourselves. Me and you have had this past conversation where I compare myself to others mm-hmm. to my own detriment. Yes. And that I don't own that I am my own special person. I'm trying to be somebody I'm not. Yes. And not just be who I am. And uh, I think that's very important for people to stay in a place of growth. You know, we kind of, when we're comparing to each other, we kind of hurt our growth potential because we're trying to transform into something we're not called to be. And, you know, John, we can be very, I think a lot of times we're most helpful to the person that we're only a few steps ahead of versus you and I've seen these experts and gurus on online business and they just have everything so buttoned up and so polished. They have all these different assets and all these different ways they can serve people. And we don't, recognize that they have been on this journey for a while and they've been building this over time and they've become more and more comfortable in their alignment and in their, their mission, but they didn't get there overnight. It was not like Mm -hmm. a lightning bolt that happened to them. And all of a sudden they were there. It's, it's a progression. We don't see that, you know, in, in music, you see this all the time, the so-called overnight success. And no one ever remembers that they were playing in little, little back room places with three people and maybe two of them were relatives, you know, for, for months and months and months that no one ever sees that part of their journey. They only see them when they get the CMA award or something like that. And, you know, they've been at their craft persistently pursuing their passion for a while. And they've been, and in a lot of cases they are, the, the people they're mentoring and shepherding and helping, they're just a few steps ahead of them. So you don't have to have it all together to be helpful and useful to other people. And I think that's the fallacy in a lot of what we see in online business and, and, and see in the larger marketplace. We see these things that we think are all buttoned up. But I, it's been my experience in working in many multi-million dollar organizations as a leader and as a follower that the, sometimes the bigger the organization is, the more messed up they are. <laughs> you know, that that you think you think they've got all these resources and get all this stuff together, but you know the bigger and more complex they are, the bigger and more complex they are, right. and they have a lot more challenges than the small, uh, the small entrepreneurial or solopreneur type business. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's real good. That's something to think about sometimes. So let's maybe transition a little bit and talk about how God is. Uh, used our past to bring you where you are today. We can talk a little bit about your story now, uh, where you come from and what you're coming into and um, just kind of go from there. Yeah. So, yeah, I I would say that our family had very humble beginnings. Um, My, my dad's family was very poor 
farming family and basically farming other people's lands and then paying them a share of the crops to, you know, that's how they, that's how they earn their living, but also how they paid the, the use of the land back. And so my grandmother was one who wanted to kind of break that family generational curse. And she named my dad after a wealthy guy from the era and who ended up owning the Hope Diamond and, and donating it to the Smithsonian eventually. But so we very humble beginnings. I was, you know, grew up in rural Virginia. I first in my family to go to college, but uh, in a very unexpected way. I was large for my size. I thought a football scholarship would be the way that I would attend college. And then I blew out my knee a year and all the scholarship offers dried up. But between jobs on campus, other supernatural activities, I was able to pay for college pretty much with very little student uh, loan. I think I ended up with $5,000 of debt at the end of four years of college, which is a remarkable situation. I ended up going right into my nonprofit career. I was 18 years. I worked with uh, multiple local United Ways. I was uh, promoted very early in my career to a leadership position in Louisville, Kentucky, where I was in charge of fundraising at age 24, which I would not recommend. A little too green for that kind of responsibility, but it grew me up very quickly and I had some awesome mentors. And then I was the the leader, the president of two other United Ways in Virginia and Kentucky. So that was the first 18 years of my career. And then I was as I was fired at 40 at, at 18 years into my United Way career. And frankly, that was because my ego got to be too big. I thought I was I was a CEO and I could make decisions on my own. And when you're stewarding a community-based organization, you have to involve and steward and get uh, consensus from uh, your key leadership. And I was acting more unilaterally than I should have, and I was uh, fired, and that was a turning point, a a begin-again moment in my life. Just before uh, that happened, I had um, gotten very curious about technology and uh, business process outsourcing. I had structured a partnership with a sister United Way about 100 miles to our north and was able to kind of refocus our our United Way on more community service and community-facing type activities as opposed to back office. And that experience was the foundation for my second career where I cast a vision of, you know, that was such a radical thing to do was to turn over control of your back office to a sister organization. And so people started approaching me and saying, why would you do that? And how did you do that? And, you know, can we do that? And so that once I, once I left United Way, that became my next career. I I started uh, leveraging that experience, cast a vision, got a number of other organizations to co-invest and we built a new, a second career in technology where I built a shared uh, organization that would deliver technology services back to other nonprofits. And I was uh, cast that vision, helped uh, assemble the the right kind of uh, funding and commitment to pre-purchase the service when it didn't exist. Talk, I guess I have a little bit of a persuasive bent to myself. And so we, I ended up being the founder and employee number one of this shared services organization that was the next 15 years of my career. At our peak, we 
and we were doing cloud computing and shared help desk and online giving before those were a thing because we had a very narrow focus. And because I'd come from the industry, I really knew exactly what I would want as a customer. So my alignment between me as a customer, me as a provider was very high. And so that was a great experience for me because I took what was entrepreneurial instincts and combined it with this previous experience and ended up just being really blessed with a a core group of early adopting uh, organizations. And together we built this thing into a, um, a four and a half million dollar a year fee for service organization that was serving about 20% of our target market did that for 15 years. And then towards the end of that experience, I had what I call a lightning bolt experience where I was feeling restless. It was time, you know, I was, I was feeling restless and it felt like I really needed to do something else. And I was attending a leadership conference, a faith and business conference at my home church in Cincinnati and felt this nudge, felt this call and actually took what I consider to be a little spiritual dictation to say, you're being called to do something else. And I, in my latest podcast, I talk about how you know, sometimes uh, people get these calls in different ways. I didn't get a burning bush. I didn't get a, a dream time experience, but got kind of this nudge where I was writing stuff down that I felt like I was being led to capture. And it captured the sentence about how I could equip younger entrepreneurs to build faith centered businesses that would consider God as one of the primary shareholders of this enterprise and that, you know, that this would be a way to fund missions and kingdom activities beyond the tithe and, and individual tithes. And so I felt this call and felt immediately unqualified. (laughs) And so, and so that led to a five-year journey of starting my second business that didn't do great. Um, I didn't really have the right heart and intent for that business. It was all about how much, how can I make money and how can I cover my expenses, which is not a great place to start a business from. Uh, if you're not serving a need and you're not serving people and, and you're trying to serve yourself, it just energetically is not going to be a great, in my experience, not a great way to build a, a business. Uh, but then I was recruited into a tech company. Being recruited into that tech company was a turning point for me because it checked a box of one thing I felt I was unqualified about. I didn't feel like I had been in a in a purely corporate investor owned uh, business before, and and therefore I couldn't really serve people in building entrepreneurial businesses if I hadn't had that experience. And God supernaturally connected me with a former mentor who had just become a CEO of a company at a random connection in Orlando. I mean, it's just a crazy story. And so I did that for three years and I got that experience. And so it was like God had answered my question about why I was unqualified by putting this opportunity together, divine appointment. And so here I am five years later saying, okay, well, you've taken away all my objections. You know, everything I brought up as a reason I'm not qualified is no longer. And, you know, so now I'm stepping into that albeit in a burn the boat kind of situation, isn't like I've got all this business lined up and, you know, everything maxed out. I'm starting with faith and with open hands because I've seen him be faithful before. And I trust, uh, they call it fate for a reason, because if you knew 
it was happening and you had evidence of it happening, you wouldn't need faith. And so I am coming into this with open hands and with wonderful opportunities. It isn't that I'm starting from zero, but it's, it's, you know, that's the thing about anyone that's in business. I think of restaurateurs as an example. I think to be in the restaurant business, you probably have to have the most faith of any business person I know because you're buying perishable food that you think that you hope and pray that people are going to want and they're going to come through the door and, and want it in the quantities that you've purchased it. And it goes bad in a few days if they, if you don't sell it or don't prepare it. I think restaurateurs is like have to have the most faith of any business I can think of off the top of my head. And, uh, I'm not in that business. I'm in something that doesn't have that level of risk. So I'm feeling pretty confident. Well, what I like about that is that you are really making God your co-founder with you Mm -hmm. and inviting him into that process and trusting him in the journey. A good friend of mine talks about how, you know, she doesn't like the idea of God as CEO because she says God's the chairman. He, he's the, he's the provider. He's the chairman, but he made you the CEO because he's anointed you and called you into being this responsible party to Stuart and to multiply his, his assets story of the multiplication of talents in the Bible. You know, that God as the chairman of the board, you know, expects certain things to happen. And we, as his stewards have to make that happen. And we're empowered to make that happen as we work hand in hand with him. So I'd like to thank John again for inviting me to be a guest on his podcast. I'll link up his show in the show notes so that you can check his show out and subscribe. So let's draw deeper faith, inspiration, and encouragement from our Begin Again moments. Do you want to help others begin again? Make sure to subscribe, review, and share this podcast with your friends. Your honest review helps us spread the word. And when you post a review, capture a screenshot and contact us with your mailing address to the email address in the show notes. We'd love to send you a gift in the mail. And don't forget about our brand new free Begin Again Facebook community where you can link arms with others who are drawing inspiration by working together. Check out the show notes for the link, answer two quick questions, and you are in. And finally, for more support and inspiration for building your own faith-centered, mission-driven business, visit future7figureceo.com for free resources and downloads. That's future7figureceo.com. And remember, the biggest breakthroughs in life and business occur the moment you decide to begin again. I'll catch you on the next show.